Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Thanks for supporting my Jen Lowry Writes podcast. My purpose is to inspire and encourage others to chase after their writing goals with faith and courage. By hitting the support this podcast button and with your monthly contribution of 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99, you are helping me chase after mine. Welcome to my official author podcast. My name is Dr. Jennifer Lowry, and happy Friday, everybody. If you're catching this on the day and time, uh, wait, don't ask me what day it is. <laughs> um, it is Friday. I just don't know if it's the date of the 17th, 18th, somewhere around there in the world, 19th. I know that I'm pretty excited about today because today marks the last day of uh, full um, online instruction and then I get um, a week of that uh, a break from that and guys I'm telling y'all you would think that I would be saying oh that means I get to write well that means I get to kind of move away from screen time a little bit so yes I have been limiting my screen time because of my headaches and my eyes and I, I'm having screen fatigue even though I'm wearing the blue glasses which I did happen to break one of my pair. Um, my husband is gluing it uh, overnight. Um, I did the whole swipe up to pull my hair back kind of thing with my glasses, and it went pop. My husband was like, what did you do? <laughs> but I did order me a couple of more pairs um, off of Amazon with cases yesterday. I'm like, look, I'm just gonna kind of have them sitting around. I need them in my life. Um, because my eyes are just, ugh. And I've got some new Kindle reads. I've got some new Libby reads from the library that I want to dive into because I am back into the Sunday killer. So I am now surrounding myself by uh, crime scene, um, detective books, and all of that. But I'm like, guys, I, woo, I got a limit. So I'm happy it's Friday just maybe because I can breathe and get a break from the screen. All right, so I got a great email question. So, thank you guys for sending me your questions. Please email me, jenlowrywrites at gmail.com. I told you that I would love to um, feature your question on the show, and this one is from Jonathan. Okay, so Jonathan asked me, how do I create characters? Because they do not seem forced, and he's afraid that if he writes his character, he's going to force them um, to be. And so, how do you write a character without being forced? Like, without feeling forced. The the character feeling forced. You guys know what I mean, okay? I'm still on my first cup of coffee, and I'm on my way to work in a big traffic. Um, So, here's my best advice. 
about characters. Now, there are many ways that authors do this, and you can Google up and down top seven, top ten ways. I will do a blog for Jonathan about this, and I may make a video, too, with some extended work in it and give some extended examples. But the way that you shape a di dialogue with your character, whether it is an internal dialogue piece that they're having whether it is an external dialogue between um, their side, between their foils and all of their, you know, just passerbys, really can shape a character for an author. And when you know, like observing characters, observing people in real life, observing the way the natural flow of dialogue would be in a case like um, your character it won't feel forced when you just allow that dialogue to take shape and move that plot so the purpose of that dialogue isn't just for randomness the purpose of that dialogue is to shape that character so let me give you an example with the Sunday killer because Jade Kane is on my mind. Okay, Jade is one of my side characters. I love her very much. I want you to imagine her in my cast of detectives as being the diva. That's what the captain calls her. She's our diva of the team. Now, Heather Moody is far from the diva. Heather is my main character. I want you to picture Heather as reserved she is known as the holy roller of the group um she's very uh, withdrawn like doesn't quite trust people she's very matter of fact gets to the point not much into the small talk so when she gets into the car with jade it's kind of like the first time you get to see heather interact with another female and instead of being an extrovert and chatty, which I would have been forcing on my character, my character feels this awkwardness of being in the car with another girl because she hasn't formed a lot of relationships with people. So because of her past, um, she had kind of had a, a tough upbringing. And I want to give the whole book away, but... She had, she'd moved. She had went to live with her elders, her grandparents. Her grandparents raised her. Um, and so she pretty much kept to herself. And so having girlfriends and having, you know, date nights with girls and all of that fun stuff that girls do, she may have missed a lot of that in her life. And so she felt like, oh, no, like, how is this, you know, how is this playing out? How is this supposed to, you know, how am I supposed to have this conversation? What does this even feel like? And so she's almost like in uncharted waters here when she's talking with Jade. Whereas, um, because on the police force, there's mainly males that you're working with. And I hate to say that, but it's true. And so she has this you know, brotherhood with a couple of the guys from her old unit. So she does find it a little easier to kind of joke and kid around with some of the guys. So that character is revealed a little bit more when she starts to have dialogue with Jade. 
and that pushes that character along more. If um, Hopefully that is a, a good example for me to try to talk through. I'm, I'm kind of living that moment right now. So I could start with sweet potato. And if you want to see how I shaped sweet potato at the very beginning of the book, what did I do to put her in a situation where a reader could understand her motivation? Because that is how you don't force a character into their space. You just know your character. And so you need to determine what your character's motivations are. So that does require knowing your character. So for sweet potato. So first I'm going to give you that example about dialogue. Allowing the dialogue to help shape your character. A second one is to know your motivations of your character. And that way it won't feel forced. It will feel like the natural progression of the plot, of the deepening of the understanding of the character. So you are revealing layers of your character as you go. So what is the first impact that I want my character to have? Oh, I could even go back to the Sunday Killer with that. Okay, so for, for example, the Sunday Killer... The first introduction of Heather Moody is her with her traumatic event. And I had a publisher, when they looked at it, they were like, I felt that. You know, they, they didn't pick, a, pick the book up. However, I did get some great feedback in an email, a rejection letter, that, that the serial killer book was not what they were looking for this time. However... They did want to make comments, which was lovely, and they told me how much they could feel that event, that it was, like, still ever-present with her. And so, the memories were very stark for her, so I built that memory at the beginning to kind of base the reader and ground the reader in where Heather was and what was her motivation. So, her motivation was not to be seen on the police force. Her motivation was not to be like maybe one of those foil characters like Joe Jackson, who just wanted to get in front of the camera and show off. He, no, she had a deeper motivation and it's because she survived a traumatic event that she wanted to be there and uh, stop a next victim. Uh, from occurring, like, you know, stop an ex-crime. She wanted to be there for families. She wanted to to have that, um, be there in that gap, okay? So, that is her motivation for why she does what she does. And because this is such a heavy department piece, the Sunday Killer, is it does have a side romance going on, but it is heavy into the police work. I needed to go ahead and ground my character in her reality of where she was, but also in her motivation. And so that way, readers could get her really quickly, maybe get her right away and say, oh, I want to see, you know, how does this character deal with the pressures because she is so altruistic, because she is so empathetic. How can she deal with the horrors of serial killer cases and um, cold case crimes and all of that? So, um, hopefully, I did a good job on the on the Heather Moody um, series. I hope you guys will like that one. 
um, when it's released in 2021. But going back to sweet potato, I want to use it as another example. I feel like I can talk you guys through with examples because I can talk with you about motivations in that way. So what layer do you want to pull right away in your book? Because you can't wait. I, I, please don't wait like three chapters in because I will like lose focus. I can't. Um, and now I'm just one reader. You might say, no, I like the slow build. I like the slow character build up. Well, that's fine for you. But for me as a reader, I like the understanding of the character and their motivation. At least one of them. I mean, you got to understand that your characters are called complex characters for a reason. And they are going to have some different layers that you're going to pull back as you move through. So I'm going to talk sweet potato through. So the first one is, you know, set up that motivation in the first chapter or just early on. Um, you know, you're going to be getting to your inciting incident between your first and second chapter, somewhere around that spot. And so you do have to hook your, your character in to your reader so that way when the event does happen, you're ready to push through with that reader and they want to like go along. So with Sweet Potato, she's in the shed. I've put them in a horrible, like an extremely negative situation, okay? They are living in a shed behind an abandoned house. And you would think, well, they've got an abandoned house. They could, they could have this whole house of themselves. Well, one, they don't want to break into that house. The shed was open. Two, they don't want to cause any kind of suspicion. They don't want somebody driving by and maybe seeing people walking through by a curtain or they don't want it they don't want to draw attention to themselves. Three, if someone came to check on that abandoned house, they would probably hear them coming up the dirt road. They you know, so I've got I've given reasons. They've had this all planned out. So as you see, my characters are survivalists. Like, they know how to survive and live under the radar. And so, they are also trying their best to make it in that shed. And so, you can see Sweet Potato fussing over the kids. And so, now you understand that she's playing the matriarch role. You've already shaped her as a caregiver, a nurturer. A disciplinarian because she's having to scold Maze, her younger brother who is 14, who right away says, I'm, I'm running away. I, I'm, I'm not. I, I can't live this life anymore. I'm done with this junk. Like, this is ridiculous. And so they've, and then it's like, well, we're always running away. So she's trying to like <laughs> say, wake up. At least we're together when we're running. Like, you, you can't leave me, buddy. Like, we're a unit here. We're, I need you. You're my rock. And so she's, you know, very strong-willed and independent. Sweet Potato is. I mean, she had to be. She had to grow up quick. She's raising her younger siblings. But she also is dependent upon Maze. Maze gets her. They have this special bond. And because they have this special brother-sister bond... That is established right away. So her motivation is very clear from the beginning. It's she wants to keep her family together. 
She wants there to be peace within her family. She does not like conflict. You can get all of this right away. You can also get her internal struggle right away. You already can start feeling the pull that sweet potato is having because she feels like it's falling apart. Like it's right. So her life always feels as if she's hanging over an edge. And one strong wind could blow them over. She even uses that phrase about maize and him being named after corn. Like, one strong gust of wind and he snap. Like, the cornfields just snap. And she's like, this is, this is what I feel like with maize. Like, we, we've got to protect him from the wind. And so she's, she's like that throughout. However, that's not the only layer of my character. She also is a 17-year-old girl. So then you have to put her into perspective of, well, at 17, students at school, and I know this for a fact, are getting pressured of, what are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to do when you leave? What does your transition from high school to the real world look like? Sweet Potato can't think about any of that right now. And so she's having a battle like, all of that like wait i have to think about college you're actually asking me about college and i'm trying to feed maize i'm trying to feed bean bean is a little bean pole i gotta worry about bean he needs more nutrition he's not getting enough to eat he's growing and he loves to eat blah 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 so you've got to understand that i've got different layers of this character that doesn't feel forced to me because it's what is happening around a 17-year-old's life. That's the reality of going to school and hearing a senior talk and hearing friends in a classroom or overhearing them say, oh, I got in. I got into state. I got into Carolina. Where did you get into? Where did you get into? And it's like, um, I haven't even applied anywhere. Well, the deadline's done. You know, it's you know, those kind of things. Well, then the pressure is on. Well, then what is my life going to be like? What is it going to look like? And so you start to reveal that with that character. And that's just another place where you can deepen that character and like ground them in their reality. And so motivations and dialogue are huge. And then of course, simple actions that you can give your character the actions without the dialogue can allow someone to really get to know your character. So, for example, Belle is sleeping on the, on the floor in the shed. And here we've got a bed made out of crates, out of like Pepsi crates, like the milk carton Pepsi crates for Bean. That kind of gives you the how the skinny Bean is. And then you've got um, Sweet Potato taking a tarp and putting it over Belle as if she's tucking her into bed. And she's, you know, it's like, oh my God, like right away, just that simple action breaks my heart. That sets that stage up in a way that I don't know any other way to say it other than just being, you know, a quiet moment between big sister and little sister. And little sister is like a treasure to her heart. And here she is pulling a tarp over her to comfort her in her sleep as if she's at in a warm bed. Making the best of what their situation is. And so I will say that by that simple action, 
You know, I could have left that out. But that action shows the nurturer. That action shows the the nurturing quality that Belle um, needs and that sweet potato provides for her. And so that, again, with an action, can set your character up. So it's their speech. It's their thoughts. It's their internal dialogue. Don't forget that. Because that's where they're going to, you know, share some of their weaknesses. They're going to share their doubts. They're going to share their worry, their anxieties, their frustrations. Because we all go through that. Think about that. That three-dimensional person. Think about you. Think about family members. Think about people that you've seen, you know, throughout all of your years of observing. And understand that, you know, we all have a different struggle. We all have some type of challenge. We all have some type of weakness. And so your character's got one too. And so that can be revealed in internal dialogue. They could be really witty. They could be very uh, quick thinking, but they don't want to share it out because they don't want to appear rude. So they might have some witty comebacks in their brain, but they're just not confident enough to like throw it out there or they don't stand up for themselves. So they don't give their one-liners, but their one-liners could be in their head. You could have a one-liner um, that would be like a cute addition in there to build that internal thought. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be an oh, woe is me thought. But if you, you know, if you've got a character who's got a sense of humor and, and they kind of, you know, they, they'll chuckle, you know, but they, or they got this little mischievous mind, that mischievous mind could be going off with their internal dialogue. So their speech is very important. And you know their motivations are very important. Their why. Uh, because that can help you ground that character and make them feel authentic, make them feel real. What would be the next natural progression if this were happening? And so that's the question that you keep asking yourself. So if Sweet Potato is put in this new situation, a school that's actually working for her kids, how would Sweet Potato react? Would she celebrate and say, let's all go to the diner and have pie and ice cream? Or would she cry? And so what actions would she have if she actually saw the kids have a good day? She breaks down in a flood of complete mess tears. And you would think, wait, wouldn't Sweet Potato be really happy about that and just sigh and just be relieved? That shows you the burden, though, that she had carried. And the safe place where she could cry was the bathroom in the soul food restaurant. Away from her kids. Away from her dad's eyes. Because she, she's got to be the strong one. So just because of, you know, knowing who my character is, when she got to the good day, a really good day, a peaceful good day that looked like a normal day. She could not handle it, and she broke down. Now, did I force her to do that? In my mind, I'm going to say no. I, I didn't force her to do that. That was what she would have done in the real world. So actually put your characters in a real-world scenario in your mind, 
and say, okay, because I know my character, which way is he going to go here? Which way is she going to go here? Because I know, you know your character more than anybody else. And you know that internal that they got going on. You know their heart. You know their thoughts. And so, you know, continue to, to spend time with your characters. And it won't feel forced. It'll be that next step for them. What is their natural progression? What is their next reaction? What is their next word, thought, step that they're going to take? And that's what you ask yourself. So I hope that this has been helpful for you guys. Um, thanks to Jonathan for emailing me. If you guys have any other kind of um, questions about writing, the craft, publishing, whatever. If I don't know it, I'll surely try my best to go research and look. And I'll share the tips that I have and the thought processes that I might have with it. And then you can go out. And you can read a million and two blogs about character development. Um, but at least I have given you some uh, ways to start. And uh, I hope that you can find them useful. So I hope you have a great day. All right. Bye. Now that you found me on the Jen Lowry Writes podcast, I challenge you to head over to where books are sold and find me there. I've published 11 books so far, and I write clean books for all ages. Horror, paranormal, sweet romance, fantasy, historical fiction, you name it, I've got your genre. Search Jen Lowry at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Kobo, and more. And for my Bible devotionals, you'll see my full name, Dr. Jennifer Eichner Lowry on Amazon. So I challenge you today to go out there and write something inspiring and share it with the world. Thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day.